0: This podcast was brought to you by WithAim.co. Welcome back to Vanishing Shadows. If you want to listen to the entire Part 2 of this season, subscribe on Apple Podcast and get the entirety of Part 2 in the last episode. If we were in a true BDSM relationship, the repercussions would have been agreed upon in advance. But Benjamin was not a dominant. He was a bully, a manipulator an abuser go to the room but the steak I said weakly his plate flew at me the cutlery clattering to the table I brought my forearm up to protect myself the plate glancing off it sharply the bloody piece of meat landed in my lap go he roared I stood and stumbled obediently down the stairs To leave i said soon jesse's eyes remained on the road ahead as he piloted the audi through sparse saturday morning traffic what happened this i twisted in my seat to reveal my lower back black and blue from the beating benjamin had used a leather cat o nine tails a common instrument of bdsm play but the way he used it was not playful it was brutal. Christ, Jesse muttered. And I'm only allowed to go to the gym for one hour now. It's not long enough for us to be together. I saw his jaw clench. That fucking prick. I have to get away from him, Jesse. He's going to kill me one day. I can't get the boat. It's chartered for the next month. Shit. I swiped at my eyes and the tears welling there. His voice was gentle. Don't cry, Hazel. But I couldn't stop. The hopelessness of my situation was overwhelming me. I hated and feared my husband, but I couldn't leave him. He would find me, and he would kill me. And then he'd go after my mother. I winced as my bruised backside brushed against the seat belt buckle. Jesse's voice cut through my meltdown. I met her, he said without looking over. Who? Lee, the homeless woman. Something in my chest clutched as he continued. She works at a diner in Beacon Hill. It's a dive, full of illegal workers, I sort of know the owner. But why did you want to meet her? There's a strange woman living in the park near your house, Hazel, and she has a knife. She wouldn't hurt me, I said quickly. She's harmless. She's nice, actually. I'm not worried about her hurting you. Fat raindrops began to model the windshield and Jesse flicked on the wipers. I think we could use her. An unpleasant tremor ran through me. Use her how? Jesse turned the Audi down a random side street. We were driving aimlessly. There wasn't time to go to his apartment. This is going to sound like a lot, but hear me out. He glanced over at me. I kept my face blank, receptive, but my heart rabbited in my throat. We could get rid of Benjamin. For good. You could keep everything. The house, the money, the cars. And we could be together. The school system, my peers, and most of all, my husband had convinced me I was stupid. But I wasn't. I knew Jesse was not simply a personal trainer. He had a past he wouldn't talk about, tattoos on his body that looked suspiciously unprofessional. His home was not the home of a man who'd been living free all his life. Still, what he was suggesting shocked me because I'd assumed Jesse had spent time inside for dealing drugs, maybe breaking and entering, car theft at the most, nothing violent. Otherwise, he'd still be in jail. He wouldn't do that. My voice was a whisper. He turned and met my eyes. For you, I would. There's no way, I said quickly, because I'd fantasized about living in my beautiful home, Free of the constraints and abuse and the malignant presence of my husband, I'd be the prime suspect. Lee has a knife, Jesse continued. If it's the murder weapon, she'll be arrested. I was speechless, incredulous. In a heartbeat, he'd gone from murder to framing an innocent woman. Think about it, Hazel. There's a desperate woman living in the woods watching you. She's lost everything. You have so much. It makes sense that she'd become obsessed with you. I had no emotional response to the suggestion of my husband's murder. Most days, I thought about him dying a car crash on the way to work, a heart attack on the golf course, a lump of steak lodged in his throat. He was evil. And didn't deserve to live. But Lee was harmless, innocent. We can't do that to her, I said softly. Why not? She'll probably get off on some sort of mental health plea. She's not crazy, she's just poor. Prison's not that bad, Jesse said, articulating his experience for the first time. She can get an education if she needs it learn a trade, and her life is hell right now. In prison, she'll get a warm bed, three meals a day, and support programs after her release. He made it sound like we were doing her a favor. I can't stand to see that bastard hurt you anymore. The wipers scraped against the window as the rain slowed. One day, I'll snap and kill Benjamin myself. Then I'll go down for it, and I won't get off easy. He flicked the wipers off. They might think you were in on it too. Was there a threat in his tone? But when I glanced over at him, he was just driving. Go see her, he said. She'll be at the beach soon. How do you know? She crashed at my place last night. I felt cold all over. She what? I took her for a drink. She passed out from the medicine you gave her. My mouth tasted bitter. Did you? Of course not. God, Hazel. I put her in my bed and I slept on the couch. That was nice of you. There was an edge to my voice. You can trust me, and I'm not even attracted to her. She's attractive. She's like a low-rent version of you. Why would I downgrade? You think she looks like me? A little. She's about your size. You have similar coloring. She'd need a haircut, though. His eyes left the road, found mine. I'm willing to kill to be with you, Hazel. Don't doubt my devotion. I I don't, I stammered, suddenly fearful of losing him. I'll do it. Tell her you're gonna leave. Tell her you need her help to get away. Okay. And so I turned off my guilt, pushed it down so deep that I couldn't feel it. And I went to the beach as instructed. Lee was there, just like Jessie said she'd be. I listened as she told me about the guy she'd met, watched her face light up. And then I told her how Benjamin treated me, showed her my bruises. I didn't even have to lie to her. I asked her to help me escape. The plan was in motion. Over the next few days, I jogged to the beach to see Lee each morning, bringing her pilfered food and hot coffee. We sat together on our driftwood bench, watching the sunrise and strategizing. When it rained, I joined her in her car, trying to ignore the lived-in smell of it. Lee's current situation couldn't be any worse. She woke each morning in pain from sleeping cramped and upright. She urinated in the bushes. When she showered, it was at a public pool. Her dignity was already gone. She couldn't fall any lower. Sometimes she wanted to talk about Jesse. She was smitten with him, a smile dancing across her face when she recounted their time together. I told her to be careful, to look into his past, but she brushed me off. I tried to plant a seed of doubt so she could save herself, but she chose not to. When a person is falling in love, they ignore the warning signs. Have you sold the Netske? I asked her one day. I haven't had time. It was a key piece of evidence against her. It played into the narrative of the obsessed woman stalking me, breaking into my home, taking a souvenir. Why did she hold on to it? She clearly needed the money. Maybe her circumstances kept her from thinking straight. She was exhausted, stressed, drinking every night. She was playing right into our hands. I promised Lee new identification, a new start. As the grieving widow, I would no longer need to reinvent myself. But I pressed forward with the fake ID. I sent her to get a photo, just as Jessie had sent me. She had to believe I was helping her. At home, I played my doting slave role to perfection. Any hint of rebellion would tip Benjamin off to my plan. So I went along, meek, obsequious, and fawning. The punishments he doled out were rote, tolerable. I contacted Vanessa Vega and arranged a lunch. This would throw suspicion off me. How could a woman plotting her husband's murder simultaneously plan a gala fundraiser? I wore a dress that day, a pale pink chiffon skirt despite the rain clouds brewing. I threw a cropped leather jacket over it to add some edge. Vanessa had suggested a trendy oyster bar in Pioneer Square, so I left early to avoid traffic. If I turned up late, word might get back to Benjamin and I'd be punished, for real. When I arrived at the restaurant, all brick walls and high ceilings, Vanessa was already seated at a central table with Laurie Gamble. My stomach danced unpleasantly. Vanessa was polished and perfect, but she had a certain warmth, unlike her BFF. Laurie was an icy blonde with an innate ability to be dismissive and condescending. I'd met her on several occasions, but she had consistently looked me over, then overlooked me. Hello, gorgeous. Vanessa rose and kissed both my cheeks in a European greeting. Laurie's hug was perfunctory. I sat down across from them, instantly feeling outnumbered, subtly excluded, we made small talk, about hair, skin, and clothes mostly, as we perused the menus. Once we'd ordered oysters and salads, a bottle of wine for the table, Vanessa got down to business. I'm so glad you agreed to help with the gala. Like I had a choice. Of course, I smiled. Put me to work. Laurie leaned forward. We'd like you to take the lead on the silent auction. I've put together a list of vendors you can visit to ask for donations. Begging for freebies was a miserable job. But once my husband was found murdered in my own home, well, surely they'd let me off the hook. And the task would also afford me some freedom. Benjamin couldn't deny me my charity work. I'd be able to see Jessie. Great, I smiled again. Took a sip of Pinot Grigio. I'm on it. As we ate, the conversation segued into spas, a trendy new wine bar, a trip Lori had taken to Sedona. They both had children, so private schools were discussed, dance and art classes. I smiled, nodded, feigned interest. If Vanessa and Lori told their husband that they saw me today, the worst they could say was that I was dull. A little vapid. But they'd never suspect that I was unhappy. That I was desperate. That I was plotting. It was raining when we left. A light spring patter. But I was wearing leather. I dug in my tote for my compact umbrella. Fumbled to open it. The spring was a little rusty, so I was struggling with it when I heard my name. Hi, Hazel. The voice familiar but out of context, made me start. I gaped wordlessly at Lee. What the hell was she doing in Pioneer Square? It wasn't that far from the diner she worked at, but she clearly hadn't been visiting a trendy restaurant or boutique. She wore a hoodie pulled up over her head, baggy jeans and sneakers. She looked rumpled and unwashed, indigent, which she was. Lori and Vanessa soon flanked me. Can we help you? Lori snapped. They thought Lee was a panhandler or a drug addict. It's okay, I assured them, feeling somewhat protective of my friend. I'm sorry, I almost didn't recognize you. How are you doing? I asked as I mentally scrambled to explain our relationship. I'm fine. She sounded cagey her eyes darting to my companions. And then I recognized the opportunity of this encounter. It was a chance to plant the seed of Lee's obsession with me. When my husband was found dead, stabbed with Lee's knife, Vanessa and Lori would be all too eager to share this run-in with the police. Good, that's good. Are you staying at a shelter in the area? I asked gently. No. Lee snapped. I was at a pawn shop. I nodded, kept my expression placid as I reached in my bag for the piece de resistance. Why don't you get some lunch? On me. I held out a $50 bill. I saw rage in her eyes and shame, and I hated myself. I did, but my life was at stake. I was committed to this plan, and I wouldn't back out. I couldn't back out. She snatched the bill from my hand and scurried away. You're welcome, Laurie called after her with a humorless snort. Who was that? Vanessa asked, her lip curled with distaste. Her name is Lee, I said, diving in. She sleeps in her car in the park near my house. Oh, God, Laurie was appalled revolted i jog by her every morning i elaborated sometimes i take her some fruit or a muffin vanessa pressed her palm to her chest you're so kind hazel you are laurie echoed but that woman could be dangerous (laughs) i don't think so i said with a dismissive laugh did she follow you here oh my god The fear on my face must have looked genuine because Lori continued. She could be scoping out homes in your neighborhood, or she could be deranged. I never thought of that. Concern fluttered across my face. They clocked it, just like I wanted them to. You should call the police, Lori said. Vanessa added, Be careful, Hazel. You can't be friends with someone like that. We hugged efficiently and went our separate ways. Follow Daily Bedtime Tales now and never miss a heartbeat of this captivating tale.